Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Wednesday Night Wallop. Rylan Turner here, joined as always by Kyle Joseph. And Kyle, we we did Dynamite a little different this week. Yeah, this is a special edition of the podcast because we were at the show live. We were, we were. I, I made the trek out to Winnipeg to uh, to take this in live. And uh, what's your overall thoughts on the just the experience of going to a Dynamite taping live? Um, it was really good. I mean, it was good to get to see all of the other wrestling shows that I don't necessarily stick around to see at all times. It was a lot of fun to see uh, a bunch of people make the trip out. The crowd was fantastic. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, like for for those who don't know, dynamite or uh, yeah, dynamite's usually filmed in in arenas that you know four or five thousand people is kind of uh, the expected one. Like they don't go to the big hockey arenas and stuff like that across across the United States when they do their trip. And here, there's only one really big arena in town, and um, I don't think they, they didn't sell it out, but no, like it is not unreasonable to think that there were probably about twelve thousand people there. Actually, uh, WrestleTix has it just over seven. Oh, really? But but um, a, over eight thousand with crew and whatever. But however, going into this event, there was trouble getting over the five thousand uh, mark. And over the last two weeks, apparently, they've sold and uh, like a lot of tickets. Well, that's good. Like. It looked like a lot of people, is what I'm saying. Yes, so. absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the areas that were tarped off were really just, you know, the, the areas they don't necessarily shoot anyway. So, yeah. uh, and of course, you've got to take into consideration the stage setup and whatever else. So, they're, they're, it was they were never going to get, I think it holds, what, 14,000 people? Uh, yeah, with hockey configuration is about 15,000, but it sort of depends on how the configuration is. Like the problem that they had is that the second and third row or the second and third level, they couldn't sell behind the stage. Right. Or they really couldn't sell anything behind the stage. And so there was basically everything had to have a clean view of that. So that's what, um, that's what sort of cut down, but it was still a very, very good show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And certainly something I'd be more than willing to do again. Like, uh, it it was a long taping, but it didn't drag. Not at one point did I feel like we were there for four hours. Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, there was a lot of opportunities to get up and, and walk around. We we had some, we were up in the, the absolute nosebleeds, like absolute back of the arena. But it was good because you got an opportunity to get up and walk around a bit. Um I know. Yeah, I had a lot of fun getting to watch this show. I, I got a T-shirt. Uh, it was expensive, but I did get one. Yes, uh, me and me and my girlfriend left with uh, matching Scissor Me Daddy T-shirts, and uh, I was very very happy with that. Didn't get to see the acclaimed though. No, that's true. It would have been it would have been better if the acclaimed had showed up. But regardless, uh, Daddy Ass was there in spirit. Yes. Um, so we do have a lot of news that we've got to get to before we talk about this the live show, and we're going to do it in a segment we like to call the Wednesday Night Roundup. It's the Wednesday Night Roundup. So we have to talk about AEW Revolution because we never actually were able to record a show about this. Uh, just the timing of everything I don't think worked out very nicely for us to, to actually sit down and record it. But this was a very good show. 
Yes, yes. Uh, again, we were like hesitant going in, much like we were with Full Gear about the build, because I don't think the build to the show was necessarily great. No. But I think, much like AEW does oftentimes on pay-per-view, they always deliver. And what was nice about this show was, I mean, as much as, yes, it was almost four hours long, it wasn't five and a half hours long. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like certainly especially with an hour-long match thrown in there you have opportunity for drag and it really didn't drag yeah totally um so we'll go match by match i guess i don't know if you watched the pre-show at all i did not okay so there was a match in the pre-show mark briscoe and the lucha bros defeated ari davari or ari davari and the the varsity athletes josh woods and tony nice I'm sure that was an entertaining match. A lot of good people on the sh- on that card, or in- among that group. And I do hope, I'll say this, I hope that the varsity athletes get a, a real opportunity in ROH. Because I hope, I think that's a direction where they would be really, really good. Yes. So, opening match, Ricky Starks defeated Chris Jericho. Um, not much to say about this one. This was just good. Yeah. It was just as good as their Dynamite match was. I think it was elevated a little bit more. The only thing I really didn't like about this match was the big idea behind this match was the uh, the society, uh, the, sorry, the Appreciation Society was not allowed at ringside, yet we still had Sammy Guevara coming down to ringside. And uh, regardless as to whether Action Andretti caught him or not, I just think that we didn't need it. We didn't need that. We could have just had Ricky Starks outsmart Chris Jericho without that. Yeah, I, I do think ultimately uh, there weren't too many shenanigans, which was nice, but they, I was expecting them to get some stuff in, but that's just sort of how it had to go. Uh, but like I like you said, this was a really tight match. I thought that the two of them performed really well together, as I feel like they did uh, a couple weeks ago on Dynamite. Ricky Starks, of course, got the win, which is really good to see because you never really know in these situations how they're going to do it. Did Jericho want his heat back? Does and not to say that he's really been that guy, but you never know in that situation. And it's nice to see that Ricky Starks is somebody that, well, at least. Uh, it looked like he was on a direction to towards something significant, but now we've got him and Juice Robinson. So whether it's I do think we're still going to get Ricky Starks. I think that's going to be just for like ROH for a little bit. Okay, but I do think we're going to get Ricky Starks. Personally, I think he's going to be the person to take the TNT title. That makes the most sense. I think. Yeah, and I think that's like a, a direction for maybe a double or nothing. Could be. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. Uh, Jungle Boy. Christian Cage beat Christian Cage in the final burial match. I mean, because what's the what is the best? Because um, I have to remember what you refer to these matches as. Um, uh, this would be like a casket match. Yeah, meets a buried alive match. Yeah, it's like a buried alive. What's the best buried alive match you've ever seen? This one. This, yeah, this, this, I, I agree with you. Yeah, and I think like I do think this one beats because it's Austin Undertaker. I think is the the best one before this. Probably, yeah, that makes the most. sense. I think the result, honestly, like when we're talking about buried alive matches, I feel like it's Austin Undertaker, Mankind Undertaker, and this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do think this one reached that level. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that was this was a match that wasn't completely. Um, it, it wasn't there the whole run towards Re- Revolution. We kind of got the last like few weeks where Christian had come back and lo- and and we were going to get the match between the two of them 
I mean, uh, there's so much about this match that I really loved. I loved Christian coming out with the uh, the cut-off turtleneck. I thought that, that was the perfect look for this version of the character. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, like, I didn't know that what this match was going in. They had kind of hinted Ooh. at it with, with Jungle Boy digging a grave for Christian in a promo leading into this uh, match. But I, when they said it was a final burial match, I... I I assumed we were going to get some sort of no disqualification shenanigans, but this was like, there was so much about this jungle boy, finally getting the concerto to, to, to take Christian out the kiss on the forehead before he closed the casket door. Um, what's funny is a, a lot of people out of coming out of this match were thinking that this was Christian swan song in AEW and that he might be going back to WWE to team with edge before um, his retirement. So whether or not that's that's true or not, I'm not sure of his um, of his contract status. But if this is the last we see of Christian in AEW, do you think that this was a, a good way to go out? I think that Christian had a very, like even considering the injury that he had, I think Christian had a very successful run in AEW. I think he had multiple good matches. I think the stuff with him and Jungle Boy really served to elevate Jungle Boy. I think the direction that he was part of that Luchasaurus thing, once Luchasaurus gets back, is a very fascinating, another fascinating character that you can bring into all kinds of situations. Like, to be honest, I think that Christian Cage had a great impact in AEW, and this, if this is it for him, I think he sort of did his job while he was here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, overall thoughts on the match? I thought it was very good. I thought it was because Starks and Jericho to start was, you know, it was a bit of a, a, a blood feud or whatever, but it wasn't a brutal match. It was a very, you know, technically sound match between two guys who know what they're doing and everything like that. Um, it was very smooth. It was very whatever. This uh, um, Jungle Boy Christian was a, a more brutal match. Yeah. I don't want to say it was like, it wasn't like, you know, we, we got to talk about a match later that got to the next level of violence. But I thought this was, it was very fitting of their feud. And I, again, I do agree that for a Buried Alive match is a darn, darn good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, House of Black took the trio's titles off of the Elite in, I don't know, for, for me, this was. This wasn't the match of the night. Okay. Because it, it couldn't be. No. But it was darn close. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very sound match. Uh, two, two teams that work together phenomenally. I love the fact that they put so much heat on Brody King. As soon Ooh. as he got that tag into the match, the whole, the whole layout of the match changed. They're building him to be a big, big deal. Yes, yes. I could see him perhaps eventually taking the House of Black from Malachi Black. Um, just just the way that they've created this monster out of this guy, who in every interview you ever hear him in is just the sweetest, nicest guy in the world, big teddy bear. But on screen, he's just phenomenal. And I thought that the, the, the certain spots in this match, I love that 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 hanging sleeper hold that he does from the apron. Uh, mm. Not only did it look great with Darby Allen, but with Nick Jackson too, looked fantastic. Um, you know, I just I, I Malachi Black looked in fine form for this match. Yeah. Uh, everybody looked great, truly. Um, and I and 
and this is a match too where there were so many false finishes that by the end I really didn't know which direction they were going. And when they finally made the the uh, the final um, few moments of the match come to be, and uh, we got the House of Black taking the titles, I wasn't surprised, but I was almost in a sense like relieved because I was like, man, I don't know what we would have done with the elite continuing to be the champions. Um, with um after this and, and the house of black is such a refreshing um change of pace for these titles 100 percent, and they can go through the rounds and go through a bunch of different teams hold these belts for a little while sort of build up the shine on them a little bit because frankly with the house of black i'm not sure what else you do with them you know like they could all they're all talented enough to have their own singles pursuits Right, but I think they're stronger as a unit. I want to see them hold these titles. Honestly, have them run through most of the year with these belts. I agree with you. I think that they can have a great match with everybody, and totally. Th- yeah, like I again, there's so many combinations that I I really, really, truly want to see. And it's just like the thing is, Buddy Matthews is quietly a superstar. Like, he delivers every time he's in the ring. Malachi, obviously, is smooth as butter and has that domineering presence. All those kicks. He's so good at delivering those kicks. And Brody King is quietly the best hot tag on this team. Yeah, absolutely. And he clears house in a way that is really, really impressive. Like, the Elite had a great match in this match, but it was... It's good. I do think that there are more interesting directions with the elite outside of this trios division than inside of it, and I want to see them. I, again, I think Kenny could use to do another singles pursuit of some kind, whether that be for the title uh, eventually or whatever you want to do with him. And frankly, I want to see the the young bucks back in the tag division. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, especially with F. Well, let's get into that. Yeah, Let, let's move forward. Um, Jamie Hayter retained her championship, not really a surprise, uh, beating Soraya and Ruby Soho. The big news out of this match, first of all, the match was pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I, I don't think it really got to that next level of being a great match, but I think it was certainly on its way. I think yeah. that Soraya continues to look good since she came yes. back, and this was, I think, her best performance so far. Um, totally agree. And I th- again, Jamie Hayter is quietly a star mm-hmm. she's like her offense looks really brutal and 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 violent she delivers uh like knees and different things with with a, a with a reckless abandon which is great to see ruby soho is you know has always been a high quality match uh wrestler mm-hmm. in her own right and the big news out of this is that ruby soho turned yes i i before we even get into her turn, I think, honestly, she had probably the best performance I've seen her have in AEW in this match. I thought that her I agree. Her, her stamina was fantastic. Uh, the only thing that I will say is she wrestled Soraya pretty hard to make that turn at the end. And that was the only real thing that bothered me is just it. It just... I wish they would have done it differently. Maybe in the maybe in the body of the match. Maybe I just to me. I think the thing about it is, is that she still wants she wants to be champion more than she wants to be Soraya's friend. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, 
Definitely. Uh, she and and she does fit the aesthetic of this group. Uh, I think, and that, the history. Yes, like the whole thing about this group is that they are WWE stars. It's it's very it's a it is a different way of looking. Like the aesthetic is obviously a bit more a bit more punk just by the the nature of the, the competitors. But it is it reminds me in a similar it's a similar light to Jericho Appreciation Society. It is. People, it's outsiders who feel disrespected who are coming into this place and messing things up for other people. Right. And frankly, with the three of them together now, I do think there's a lot of good combinations. I think that I would like to see... Um, I, I don't know what you do with this feud going forward, but because I do think... But I, and I, I have a suggestion, but we'll, we'll get to that when we talk about the, the actual... Uh, our uh, dynamite show, but uh, I do think that I would like to see this group potentially go in a different direction than where they're going. Because I do think the Jamie Hader thing—I'm not sure where you go with that. I guess. No, I, I I agree with you. We'll move along. Hangman Page defeated John Moxley in Texas Death Match. That was speaking of like some of the best matches you see. This was. A darn good street fight. Yes. Yes. I mean, it, it got five stars from Meltzer. And not that, you know, I hold that, that rating system to the, you know, upteenth degree or anything I think like it's, that. I think it is meaningful. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Like, but I think when you, I, I think that you don't have to necessarily like the, the guy all the time to appreciate how he, he, he doles out. Because, I mean, I, while I don't agree that every match, you know, that he gives five stars to deserves it, this one certainly did. This, 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 these two worked. These two worked fantastically together. The brutality in this match, um, with I mean the fork to the head, that was disgusting to a, a level that I have not seen in, you know, your national TV or national pro wrestling on TV. Oh, like, and like, as soon as he got the fork out, I was, you know, cringe. And he, it wasn't just like you know whatever a brushing. He dug it in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. These two were bleeding hard throughout this match. What's funny is, so Hangman does the spot where he wraps himself in barbed wire and then goes for the moonsault, which is the only spot in this match where I was like, Hangman, this isn't going well for you. Because, like, while he did get Moxley, he barely got Moxley, and I feel like Moxley used that opportunity to go, okay, well, I haven't really bled as much as I wanted to in this match, so now the next time the camera sees me, I'm going to be even more cut up. Because after they came back from this spot, Moxley was just disgusting. Yeah. Uh, the spots with the brick, the the, the closing spot with the uh, throwing Moxley over the top and basically hanging him. Um, oh, yeah. To get him to tap out. Choking him out. That was, again, getting Moxley to tap is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it only serves to make Hangman even more of a superstar right now. And, like, Hangman Page is white hot right now. Yeah, and certainly. it's going to be interesting to see the direction they decide to go with him. Uh, they've sort of teased a, a couple things, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, I don't have too much more. To, like, I don't know if there's anything more to say about this match. This was just a great street fight. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I f- Oh, the spot where Hangman gets sent into the barbed wire board and pretty much just takes it with his head. Yeah. Like, oh, I cringed very hard at that. Um, and the the back rakes with the barbed wire. That was too much. 
<laughs> to, to me, like the fork is first and everything else is second. That's fair. That's fair. No, tremendous match though. It was. Wardlow defeated Samoa Joe to win the TNT Championship. I thought this was a good match. Like I don't know that it, it got to that that higher level that you would have hoped for for some for, but I do think like I think it was a solid match and I do think it was good to and you know, I think Wardlow winning was the right decision. I think it led to another very good decision later. Right. Because so I guess we didn't cover that show, but. Um, Powerhouse Hobbs took the title off of him on Rampage or on Dynamite that yes. week. So he only held that title for a couple days. But I don't know. I think this. I think this match was good. But I do think it was. It was always going to be tricky following that that death match. Yeah, I was going to say the placement of the match really was the only thing that was. It's not that the crowd wasn't hot for it, and certainly by the end of the match, the crowd was with them. Um, I do think it's significant that Samoa Joe gets choked out with his own finisher. Mm. And I feel like that a lot of this pay-per-view was showcasing young talent over the veteran talent and a lot of torches being passed. I agree. Uh, Wardlow, you know, choked out Samoa Joe. And while Joe didn't tap out, he was forced to pass out. Um to the Coquina Clutch, and I think that, that, that that's a pretty significant uh, victory. And it was the right decision. I do think the way they were building this story that Wardlow had to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but was, this, was, this was good. I think it was always going to be in a tricky spot, but like the reality is there was no match that could follow this that was going to be able to, or that could follow a death match that was going to be able to live up to. Right. Um, tag match. Guns defeated the acclaimed... Uh, Lethal and Jarrett and Orange Cassidy and Danhausen. Um, I thought a few things out of this match. One, I thought this was a good showing for Danhausen getting to, to wrestle really for the first, like his first really big wrestling match in this one. Um, I thought that Lethal and Jarrett were fine doing their thing. I, the acclaimed obviously were the sort of the big um, work people in this match. Yeah, and, or- and Orange Cassidy to a degree, and then Dan has once he was starting to do his thing towards the end. Uh, I thought the Guns winning was probably the right decision, and then with FTR returning at the end of it, I do think that's sort of a good direction for it to go. And frankly, I don't know that I would even wait till pay per view for that. Yeah, I-, I don't think we need the Guns till May. Uh, with the tag titles, I think that they're the per- honestly. I think that they've done their job. Transition champions uh, to get the belts back on FTR. Uh, while it hasn't happened yet, I feel like it's a matter of time. I want to take a minute to just say, um, as much hesitation as I've had to Jeff Jarrett uh, being on the program, this guy's done nothing but put over young talent, and yeah. and honestly, like he's done a very good job doing it. Like the, I over the last few weeks. Like we've we've jokingly talked about it over the last few weeks. Oh, when's going to be the moment when Jarrett tries to to get the big win or win a title or whatever? But consistently, over time after time, putting a, he's not you know he's not Shawn Michaels. He's not going out there and having a five star match with guys. But he knows how to work a crowd, and we know that we know that now just because he worked the hell out of us that entire match in Winnipeg that we'll talk about later. But. This match, I just thought that him and Lethal were just on fire. Um, and again, I think that he's honestly, like, for me, 
one of the better gets that AEW's had in a veteran talent because he's been able to do exactly what he's there to do. Make everybody look better. I will better. say, I will say, I do still think that Jay Lethal should be away from this group. I don't have a problem with Jeff Jarrett, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh. And I wouldn't have a problem with them adding a different wrestler who could maybe use that rub a little bit more. Jay Lethal just doesn't really need it. No. I know they're like, they are friends and probably enjoy working together. And I know Lethal and, and, and uh, Dutt are sort of probably in that same circumstance. But the reality is that I do think that he is miscast in that role. That's fair. That's fair. Whereas no. I would say... Um, Whereas I would say that, uh, like, Sanjay Dunn, I think, is phenomenally placed. Um, I will say about this tag match, I thought that everybody worked really hard. And the guns, like, while they're not lighting anyone's world on fire, they're also not, like, stinking up the place. I oh, they're find. perfectly competent. Yeah. And, 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 and their characters, I think, are getting better every time they get on TV. I think they're getting more and more comfortable. And FTRs, are, also, I really love their new finish. I, I love the variation of the uh, the big rig. Yeah. Now I'm interested to see where we go and what uh, like if FTR is going to take these titles off of them fairly quickly or what they're going to end up doing. We didn't see FTR or the guns for that matter um, in our Winnipeg show, and I don't know that we've super seen them since the pay per view. The FTR did cut one promo the yes, first week, but I'm back. saying like we're not like we're not getting. A lot of that right now. No. So I don't know where we're if we're building to something in particular. I don't know where AEW or where Dynamite's going to be going forward. But if if they're going to you know be closer to FTR territory, go or what the plan is. But we do know that it's going to be. It should be interesting. We'll say that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize the AEW was coming back to Canada a couple of times. Yeah, that's that was the announcement that we're going to get to later. Uh, they've got a lot of shows in Canada planned. Yes, be good. six, six big ones. Uh, we'll be interested to know if you're going to go to one of them. Um, we'll move along to the end of Revolution <sighs> match of the night, match of the year candidate, MJF Brian Danielson, uh, MJF retaining in the Iron Man match. I, I do still have the same hesitation that I did at the start of this, which is that I don't know how Danielson comes back from this. And I still have that trepidation, is that Brian Danielson is a big deal in this company. And despite the fact that he is an older wrestler, this is kind of like his bread and butter, and I simply don't know how he comes back from this. Well, I think that's what they've done on TV, too, is they very much so... You know, implement or they, they they've put the idea in everyone's head. He's going to be gone for a while. Yeah, I think he doesn't need to be a part of the BCC as they they further no. um, move move into like heal them. I uh, and certain like I, although like you need him back before Forbidden Door. Yes, and honestly, I think a, what might be a, a, an all right idea is to bring him back because what they're doing is they're building to Wheeler Yuta versus uh, Shibata at the Ring of Honor pay-per-view at the end of March. Yeah. I think having a pres- his presence there might be something to look forward to. To me, I think the money match for that for uh, Forbidden Door is always going to be Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. Yes, yes, certainly, yeah. And to me, I think that's the direction they're going to want to go in. 
but I have no idea if they're if that's the direction they're going to. Right, and we we, we still have many months to get through to to get to Forbidden Door. So yeah, um, and we're going to talk more about Forbidden Door uh, later on in the news. Man, this <laughs> we we are still going on this. I, I I will say about Danielson and MJF. Uh, you're right, match of the year candidate for sure. Uh, this made Iron Man matches watchable. I find. I have a really hard time with a match that we already know is going an hour, and this match went over an hour with their mm. sudden death thing. But I do appreciate the fact that they did not stay zero zero throughout that whole hour. Yes. I think that here's here's a hot take for everybody: Brett and Sean is boring. That that's my hot take on that WrestleMania match. I think that Iron Man match is really boring, and I think that while those two guys are incredible performers, that match never does anything for me ever. And the the big thing, like you do need some points. Like the whole point of an Iron Man match is that you you need points on the board, yeah. and the idea of MJF getting a DQ to pick up multiple points. That's the type of MJF thing that you like to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Danielson putting him uh, putting him away at one point with the regal stretch was a fantastic callback, and then of course at the end, um, it being the label lock is that he tapped to he yes. tapped to. Also, MJF bled buckets in this match too. Mm. Like, oh my god, the, the hematoma he had on his head that has moved into his eyes as we saw this week. Uh, it, it's drained into his eyes, creating two black eyes, which is just awful. He looks yeah. terrible. But the, the guy, this guy, I think he showed everybody he's just as good as he says he is in the ring. And we all knew that. Mm-hmm. I think anybody who really pays attention to him knows that he's everything he says he is. But, I mean, this really put it above and beyond. Um, Danielson was fantastic in this. I think, like you said, the, the, him tapping to the label lock... It puts over MJF in the most, like, amazing way. And I honestly, the new direction for MJF, which we'll get into, um, I think is perfect, too. So with all that being said, Kyle, what are you going to give that pay-per-view out of uh, five? Um, Man, give that pay-per-view. I, here's the thing about it. If I'm not giving this show a five, what am I giving a five to? Right. No, I agree with you. This is a five show. Yeah. I will say, I think it's like a 3.5 in the build, though. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, here's the thing. But the thing about it is that if you... If the show delivers, that build starts to fade away a bit. It's true, true. Whereas if the show doesn't deliver, you look back at the build and you just shake your head the whole time. I do think AEW does need to do a better job with building their shows, because this has not been the first time where a poorly built show has led to a a good pay-per-view. But... Like you know, I will still take it. Some the the matches that were built up well delivered. The the trios match was built up well. It delivered. Page and Moxley was built up very well. It delivered in a big way. And MJF Danielson they built that for months. Yeah, I do think they may have overdone it, but the match still managed to deliver. No, I agree, hundred percent. And so yeah, like I can't really say anything particularly bad about it. Do want to see more women's matches on the shows, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's that's something they do need to to work on. Uh, and it was always going to be tricky with the hour long match on the show. But um, here's the thing: the Iron Man match was great. Don't do another one for like you don't need another one for the rest of the year. No, no, I, I, I would I would argue maybe the next on two TV. 
maybe like a half hour one on TV. You don't need another one for the rest of the year. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, moving forward in the news, because we do have a little bit more to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, so from the show, Dan Housen uh, caught a bit of an injury, unfortunately. Yeah, his, his first big pay-per-view performance, and he's out with a torn pec, which if we know anything about torn pecs, he'll be gone for a bit. Yeah. Uh, my, that might cook him for the rest of the year, which is really unfortunate because I've been enjoying Danhausen yeah. quite a bit. Absolutely. And I do think he added an element to the best friend stuff that I thought was very, very entertaining. Now, that being said, I don't think we need to remove his presence from TV because he's not been wrestling a ton, right? So he, he can still be a part of that group. Um, I think after, you know, he has a surgery or rehab or whatever he's doing. And, and keep his, keep himself present on TV. Yeah, 100%. So moving on, uh, we did get the announcement Forbidden Doors in Toronto. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, that is going to be the beginning of this big Canadian tour, which if you still have uh, pulled up, Kyle, why don't you let the people know where AEW is going to be in Canada? So June 25th is Forbidden Door, so that's when where that show is going to be. The Dynamite after that's in Hamilton. Yeah. First Ontario Center in Hamilton, which is fantastic. Uh, I'm glad to see Hamilton getting that that type of wrestling show. They're, they're going to be a great crowd there. And then it's coming to Alberta. Yeah. Uh, going to Edmonton uh, in July 5th and uh, uh, a house show in Calgary. I believe for the Calgary Stampede. Yes, which, you know, it's, that's fantastic. It's good to see there's... Uh, you know, I'm sure Jericho's going to get a huge reception there, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's really nice to see them continue to get those shows going in Canada. And, yeah, you know, this is sort of what Canadian wrestling fans have been supporting this company very well. It's nationally televised here. So, you know... There is there's a level of popularity. AEW knows their their audience clearly, and if the Winnipeg show is any indication, I do think this is going to be a successful run for them. I believe they're going to be in Regina as well, are they not? I'm gonna have to ch- I'll have to check that. Um, I believe Regina, and then um, the, I believe they're also going to be somewhere in the Maritimes, and uh, uh, most notably, maybe, maybe maybe it's BC, not the Maritimes. So they are going to be doing shows in uh, Regina and Saskatoon. Um, Regina is getting a... Um, don't make sure I get this right. Um, Saskatoon is get at the Sastel Center is getting a the um, Dynamite on July 12th. And then they're doing a Rampage in Regina at the Brand Center. That's great. That's great. So they're also they're also doing a live show at the Calgary Stampede, as you mentioned. Um, I didn't see the Maritime show. I'll have to check that one out as well. I, I might be I might be incorrect on that one. Um, but what I most notably I think Montreal does not have or or anywhere in Quebec does not have a show. I think that what they're really hoping for with Forbidden Door is we're going to get some travel between places like Quebec and Buffalo and some of the you know northern part of the New York State. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do think that there's especially because there are some Quebec, there are some you know pretty prominent Quebec wrestlers on the on the uh, in the company, whether that be. Uh, um, Daddy, Ma- uh, was Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Ange, uh, whether that be yeah. Stu Grayson and uh, 
Uh, Evil Uno, I'm not sure if he's from Quebec, but I do know those guys. Yes. Well, yeah, I believe it is Quebec somewhere. Yes. Stu Grayson certainly is. Um, Yeah, like, there's talent. There's Canadian talent on these shows, and it's going to be interesting to see where where they end up going with all of this stuff. Um, Yeah, those are the shows. Uh, Hamilton, Edmonton, Saskatoon, Regina, and Calgary. Great, great. And you know what? If those shows do well, there's no question to me that they're going to do more. Yeah. Tony Khan made it very clear they're coming back to Winnipeg. That's for sure. No reason they shouldn't. No, absolutely not. But with all that being said, Kyle, I think we have one more bit of news and then we're going to get into the Winnipeg show. Uh, We have a couple more bits of news that we have to talk about. One that sort of bleeds into the Winnipeg show. Uh, But first, uh, the WWE Hall of Fame has made announcements for two entrants. Yes, Rey Mysterio being the first inductee going in this year, going to be in, uh, inducted by Conan, which will be a Conan's first time in the WWE since the early 90s. Mm. Um, and we are also going to have the great Muda going in, and uh, he's going to be inducted by Ric Flair. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, so first things first, the the Hall of Fame ceremony has become a lot different than it was in the past, whereas... In the past, it was its own special night at a at a, a theater somewhere in town. Now it is going to be, and it, as it was last year, and I believe the year before, an extension to the SmackDown taping. Um, I think that that's the way to go going forward. Personally, I agree. The only thing is, I do think they should round up this class a bit more. I think Rey Mysterio and Muda are both good headliners to to put into this class. Um, it. I know they've talked about potentially the Hall of Fame sort of ramping down as being a bigger deal. I'd be disappointed if they didn't, you know. I still think they should include um, a women's wrestler. I do think that they should include uh, a tag team. No, I agree. So I would like to see some other people make it into uh, the wrestling class. I don't know if they need to do, you know, a huge, huge class, but... It would be disappointing if there wasn't uh, a few more inductees included as well. I would like to see Batista do his induction this year. It makes the most sense in Hollywood. That's the thing is like, if you want him to be there, him being there as opposed to Philadelphia next year makes way more sense. Yeah, no, I I, I 100% uh, agree. Um, And then our last bit of news, Kyle. Last bit of news is that uh, from the Winnipeg shows, we got some signings. We did. Uh, three, if memory serves, uh, Taya Valkyrie is going to be all elite. Uh, she made her debut and debut match at, uh, in the Winnipeg shows. We'll talk about those later. Um, then Stu Grayson is returning to AEW, which is excellent to see. I think that yes. he was a nice part of the Dark Order that I do think was lacking when they, when they didn't uh, have him there. So it's great to see him back. And um, in a backstage role, a producer role, Sarah Stock is going to be a part of AEW, which I think is a great signing as well. She was a part of the Performance Center for quite a while in WWE. She's been um, an excellent trainer for quite some time, and I do think AEW adds something by having another trainer and another coach involved in that. Absolutely. It's good to see somebody who, like you said, spent such a significant amount of time in the Performance Center kind of bring some... 
of that experience coaching wise to AEW, which I mean, they're not short on coaches, but it's it, it's nice to see number one, they're they have somebody there to focus on the women, which is something we've been wanting for for years at this point with AEW. And like I said, that that's a great amount of experience to come into the, that company. One hundred percent. And yeah, they do have they do have several coaches, and they have um, they do have other people in those coaching roles as well. But it does it's definitely a it's a good role for her, and she's a good person to have in that role. <laughs> so there's there's no real harm in signing somebody who is you know good at what they do. In backstage capacity, agreed. Um, so I believe they have another person from the women's division who is serving as uh, Madison Reigns. They have serving as a coach, and Serena Deeb also serves as a coach for them as well. But yeah, never bad to have more good coaches. That is all we have for news. This podcast is brought to you by Spear King, literally. Our producer, RJ, has decided to branch out and brand himself, and we couldn't be more excited to hear that. If you've been with Wednesday Night Wallop from the beginning, you will hear that the production has since improved tenfold, and that's all thanks to Spear King. RJ has worked tediously to hone his production skills, from the opening song to the tidbits of music sprinkled throughout, and the editing of the podcast in its entirety. Spear King puts a royal effort into your product. I know for a fact that we wouldn't have the professional sound that we do without his efforts. So please go support our producer in all of his future endeavors, and don't be afraid to reach out about something you're interested in RJ getting his hands on. That's Spear King Co. on Facebook, at spear.king.co on Instagram and at Spear King Music on TikTok. Spear King. Music, media, and production. It's time to talk about the AEW Winnipeg shows. Yeah, let's do it. So, Dark Elevation, I'll go through the results and then we can talk about anything that was in particular interest. Um, Sky Blue... Uh, there's mo all I think exclusively squash matches uh, on, on this particular dark taping. Sky Blue defeated Taryn from accounting. Jake Hager defeated Adam Knight. Emmy Sakura defeated Joe uh, Joey uh, Zoe Sager. Brandon Cutler defeated Jason Geiger. The Firm, which is Matt Hardy, Ethan Page, and Isaiah Casti, defeated Sebastian Wolf, Massive Damage, and Mo Jabari. Top Flight defeated Sean Moore and. Michael Allen Richard Clark. Athena defeated Taylor Rising, and Keith Lee and Dustin Rhodes won a tag match against two jobbers we could not find the names of. I don't know if that's going to be a part of that same Dark Elevation taping. That match took place after the Dynamite taping and before the Rampage one. We right. added that one in. Um, any highlights from this show or from this part of the show in particular for you? Uh, Matt Hardy, man, did he was he ever over? <laughs> he got a huge pop from the crowd. Yeah, I think that music, whenever that music hits, people just immediately go back to 1999. Mm. So I thought he was great. I thought Ethan Page was great on the mic. I thought Isaiah Cassidy with their 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 whole opening bit as they were on their way down to the ring was fantastic. Um, I I really think those guys are gonna have a hard time staying heels. Just given the reaction that they're already getting, and, and and Stokely is that is a character like where people love to you know hate him, but also people have a hard time not loving him. Yeah. And next week I think is going to be 
uh, a real star-making performance for him and with him and Hook. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be entertaining. I'm interested to see the direction they go with that because it is no disqualification, so I'm sure he's going to have people trying to help him. But it's going to be an interesting one. Um, I thought Athena and Taylor Rising was a particularly great match. I thought Athena continues a brutality streak that I think is very, very nice to see. In it's it's very different. Yes, she, and it and very much so suits her. Yes, and like so, Taylor Rising took an Alabama slam on the floor, which was a particularly nasty spot. Could hear that um, thud from the 300 section. Yes. And yeah, it was, but it's, again, I was excited to see Athena. She did a great job. Top flight's always fun. We didn't get, you know, all the top flight offense, but I thought they were, they were good. Uh, Brandon Cutler continues to be entertaining. Yeah, he got a big pop too. He did. It was great to see the, the, the elite song kicked off, the B elite song kicked off and people were, were, were excited to see him. He was, he does his comedy wrestling really well. Uh, Jake Hager didn't get a bad reaction either. I think that bucket hat is do- doing wonders for him. <laughs> I really, I, and he likes that hat. He really he does, does like that hat. Um, the one thing I will say is I was disappointed, and this is part of this. I think was the timing of it is that we were doing a dark match after um, the sh- after the show sort of started. I was disappointed that Keith Lee and Dustin Rhodes didn't get a better reaction. Yeah, yeah, but I think following that main event on Dynamite, that was the hardest part. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. This, uh, but yeah, ultimately, I thought the dark stuff was was interesting. A little disappointed not to see a, sh- um, a match that was between two actual people and not uh, a bunch of squashes, but it was it was what it was. Right. Um, we'll get into Dynamite. We opened, and we're, so we're going to sort of skip a lot of the. Um, more backstagey segments and the promo, like some of the promotional promo stuff that we didn't see. There were videos. Uh, there was a video with uh, Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Ange, which I think they used to sort of set up uh, the match. There was a segment called QTV. We couldn't hear it, but it was basically a spoof on. Um, God, what, I can never remember. TMZ. TMZ. Yeah, TMZ. It was bad. I hope that this is going to let. It is going to help Powerhouse Hobbs because I, you know, always like to see him higher up. But I don't know if this is the direction that's going to be helpful to him. It's hard to say. Um, but we will talk about the matches and then some of the other stuff that happened that was more prominently in the ring. Um, the Rebar Mitzvah. This was very entertaining to start. I thought that they did, they got all the beats. They had um, him in the chair. They had all the the people there. He was escorted to the ring with a bunch of pretty women in cocktail dresses because, of course, he was. I thought this was, but I don't think it ran too long. No. 20, listen, a 20 minute opening segment is not something we're used to with a dynamite, but I think that the way that this one re- broke down, it it made a lot of sense. It kept the people's attention. Mm. And I, I think that everyone benefited from this. So the big thing that came of this is that it wasn't just him, obviously. We got uh, Jungle Boy coming out. And before he was able to say something, Sammy Guevara made his appearance. I will say this. As annoying as I find Sammy Guevara to be sometimes, I always get a kick out of that entrance. Yes. 
um, his uh, his Dragon Ball Z uh, backdrop is, is is entertaining, and and we got Darby Allen as well. Darby Allen with probably the longest promo of his AEW career. Yes, yes, I, I actually I made note of that too. Is this is the most I think we've ever heard him talk, and he was good. Yeah, he was comfortable, really comfortable. Jungle Boy has grown leaps and bounds as a promo. He was probably the best talker out there aside from MJF. I thought Sammy's was interesting because he sort of cut a babyface promo up until the point where he got his heat back by making fun of Canada. Yes, yes, I almost too babyface. At this point, talking about grinding on the indies for 10, year, 10 plus years and doing everything he could to be a champion three times over. Yeah. Not that these stupid Canadians know anything about that. Like, it, I get why they did it, but um, also, like, my, my question to you, I think, Kyle, in this segment is, is this the direction for Double or Nothing? Do you see it being the Four Pillars Fatal 4-Way? I honestly hope so. And I don't know how you get all the way there from here. Um, Because it isn't two months. So you've you've got some work to do to get out there. Right. Now, admittedly, the nice thing about MJF is that he doesn't wrestle a lot. So maybe out of this, you'll get one tag match. You know, Darby and Jungle Boy versus Sammy and, and MJF. Right. But honestly, I think that's all he's going to wrestle before that show. So that's the nice thing about it. And honestly, I think you could use this opportunity to heat the three of them up in a big way. Yeah, they need to get some wins. They could have wins over each other. They could. But I think, honestly, build them up with some wins against other people, and then you can start throwing matches at each other, whether or not it is like... What I might want to see is you actually have the triple threat match to determine who is going to be in the match against MJF and have it go to a time limit draw. That would be good. If you have it run out the show, there's ways you can get it to allow this to be the fatal four-way, and I do think that's a good direction. Yeah. And, you know, MJF's obviously going to retain but I think it's a way to build up all four of them to look strong. And again, Sammy Guevara is going to need a direction after this Jericho thing implodes at some point. So that's the last singles direction for him. I think went well up until fans sort of turned on him. I think ultimately he is going to have to stick around as a heel. But he can be a very good singles heel. Yeah, I agreed. We'll move along... We got our first match. Uh, the, the one thing I'll say, the, um, uh, I had uh, my uh, girlfriend there, and she got a real kick out of the production crew uh, that had to clean up the cake. <laughs> yes. Because uh, obviously there was a cake. MJF obviously goes through the cake. He's covered in cake as he leaves. Happy actual birthday to MJF. Uh, he yes. just turned 27 in Winnipeg. Um, I'm not sure if he went out for drinks afterwards, because I'm trying to think of a, a, play, a drinking establishment that MJF would approve of in Winnipeg, and none come to the top of mind the top of my head. Um, but I thought that... Uh, I thought that this was entertaining. I do think it was a good direction for them. And then, of course, they had to have a match that was going to allow them to have, be able to clean some of this up while the, uh, before the entrance and stuff were going. So have Moxley enter through the crowd. Yes. 
Blackpool Combat Club versus uh, Adam Page and the Dark Order being Evil Uno and the return of Stu Grayson, who got a massive pop from the screen. He did. He did. And man, did he ever earn that contract in this match. Oh my goodness, this match was great. Yeah, uh, the best hot tag, I think, of the night was Stu coming in, mm. hitting the apron DDT onto uh, Wheeler Yuta, and then just going after everybody. Like, they did everything in this match. Mm. The the uh, cannonball 450 splash combo. They hit fatality on Moxley at one point. Yeah. Uh, Stu Grayson was, was pile-driven on the outside by all three, and then again in the ring by Moxley. Yeah, this was, I, again... It carries on the the Hangman uh, Blackpool Combat Club thing that seems to be going on, and it keeps the Dark Order sort of interesting. Oh, I guess that's right. Dark Order had a match on on the Dark Tapings too. Yes, I, I believe it was against. One. I believe it was against uh, Tony Nice and. Uh, You're right. That was the main event. Was uh, yes. Silver and Reynolds versus Tony Nice and Josh Woods, and, and Silver and Reynolds won that match. Um. But they got to come out and, and sort of help with, with making the save and everything like that. I thought this was really good. It carries on this feud. And, this, and we by the end of the night, we had an interesting direction for this. Yes. Which I think was yes. good. Um, Black Hoople Combat Club picked up the victory. getting Sort of getting their heat back, I think. John Moxley, you don't want him losing too, too much. Mm-hmm. And, and Hangman Page can take losses without having to get pinned himself. No, agreed. Jade Cargill had a match uh, to continue her streak against a local competitor and a wrestler I'm, a, I'm actually a fan of, uh, Nicole Matthews. Uh, she did not last long. She was uh, quickly pump kicked and then the jaded for a win a, a little over a minute. 42? I thought it was 42 seconds. Maybe it was a little under a minute. Regardless, it was not long. No, it was not. But we got uh, an interesting... We had an interesting run-in afterwards, and it's Taya Valkyrie. Yes. And Taya Valkyrie hits uh, the same finisher. Yes, uh, she I, hit Jaded on, what? what's her name? Uh, Layla Gray. Yes. And that's a, this is a good... I'm glad we have a direction for Jade Cargill. Because yes. Because I'm always a little worried. I'm glad we have a direction for Jade Cargill, too, but... I don't think she needs to win this match. I don't think we need to put Ty or have her put over Taya Valkyrie because honestly, at this point, I feel like she'd almost be better off without the title. I'm not see the thing about her that's still interesting is I do think the streak has to. I think the streak is a big deal, and Taya Valkyrie is a very very good wrestler. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know that she benefits from beating the streak. Fair enough. In a way that I think an AEW original would benefit. I don't know who that is. If you're asking me today to pick a person, it's the returning Chris Statlander. Yeah. But I'm not picking a direction today. Either, honestly, her or Willow Nightingale, but she's beaten Willow a couple times, so that makes it tricky to set up. But as of right now, those are the people I would say should be Jake Cargill's conqueror. Fair enough. We'll move along. But I, but I do think Taya Valkyrie, at very least, I think that will be a very good match. Yes. Yes. I think that she got a lot of uh, 
quite a, quite a good pop again from the Winnipeg crowd. Uh, we all, I think, the rumor going into it was she was going to be there, so we were all half expecting it. But at the same time, um, it's still good that they they went the direction. Yes, uh, we'll move along. Uh, Orange Cassidy debuted the new title, the International Title uh, Championship, as opposed to the All Atlantic Championship, and defeated Jeff Jarrett in what was a solid match. Yeah, I, I well, it's funny. I watching this match in the arena and then watching it back on television were two totally different watches of this match. Watching it in the arena, so much fun. Like these two were all over the place. They they went into the crowd for a big period of time. They 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 just they had this great uh, no disqualification false count anywhere match. The only problem is, is man, they did not book it that way. On TV, no. Uh, uh, on TV, this match went the, the the whole five minutes they spent in the crowd were pretty much over commercial break. So it begs the question as to how this referee could not get this match going, <laughs> get, could not keep control of this match. There were so many run-ins, um, and it just—I guess—it just did not play as well on TV. I found than it did on the uh, in the arena i thought the in the arena it was great the crowd seemed very hot for it yeah. jared mega heat as soon as he was he, he threatened to hit aubrey like that got mega heat um the guitar was not was not used at one point in this match no we did not get a guitar break in winnipeg we didn't but, but yeah i agree this was this was good yeah a lot um, of fun and, and, and i do agree i could see how it wouldn't have played as well on on TV, but but in the arena it was entertaining, and they had a lot of open space. And I, I mentioned at the start of the show, they have all this open space sort of in the back behind uh, the, the, the crowd on the stage. I'm like, somebody's got to make use of this, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought it might be um, Moxley and Page, uh, but no, it was uh, Cassidy and Jeff Jarrett. Got a promo from the Outcasts. Um, aside from. Uh, not much to say aside from Surya getting fined for uh, using some language that doesn't fly as well in North America. Um, I I missed that. Oh, uh, I believe she referred to the crowd as uh, stinky twats. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, I I I would I would have not guessed that she would have gotten fined for that. But that's hey, whatever. That that's uh, um. But I will also say that uh, the big thing about this was we got a run-in from Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter wearing denim. Yes. <laughs> they came out in the Canadian tuxedos. They did. Uh, but um, we also got Willow Nightingale. We got Riho. And we got... Sky Blue. Sky Blue. Um, coming out to Rio's music. But yeah, this was... This seems to be the direction that we seem to be going in right now is, uh, maybe I'm wrong about this, but it does look like we're going to get a blood and guts match between uh, these different groups. The question is, who is joining Team Soraya as part of it, if that's the direction we're going? I, 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 I think the direction you go is you try and get Mercedes for this. Mm, that would be nice. If you could get Mercedes and you could get, you know, any number of people you could choose from if you wanted to. 
Nyla Rose would be good in it if you wanted to go in that direction. Uh, the Bunny has proven herself to be a good um, street fight wrestler. Penelope Ford, just because she's fun. But yeah, I, I agree. There's a lot of people, and even if you wanted to do like a one-off, you could get a, probably get a one-off performer to do this as well. Certainly. But I hope we get that match. Because frankly, I think that women's division could use it. Yeah, that would be a really big injection of just, I think, uh, adrenaline into a division that really needs it. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. You could also go Anna Jay and Tyamello if you wanted to do that, too. They have wrestled a bit. Um, Moving on, main event. You have to understand, if if you saw it on television, you probably got a sense of it. These entrances blew the roof off this place. Yep. Particularly Jericho. Yeah, it's funny. Like, Omega was very popular. He got the Kenny chant that broke out during the Elite entrance, and certainly people were singing Kansas. Jericho almost felt like like Jesus Christ himself had come down from the clouds and made his way into the Canada Life Center. Now, I do think once those two got into the ring and got the opportunity to actually scrap, I think that was probably the biggest pop of the crowd. Uh, Because I do think the crowd wanted to see those two uh, go at it. But this was always going to be a tricky one. Because there was no way House of Black wasn't retaining this. (laughs) And it was just a matter of how we were going to get there. But honestly, this match was fantastic. Yes, everybody got their stuff. And I, it's funny, um, my girlfriend got the perfect picture. Uh, as Jericho and Omega were staring each other down as this match begun, Malachi Black went to, to attack, I believe it was Jericho. Mm. And she got the perfect picture of his elbow almost connecting with his head. And basically, like, the confrontation slowly being broken up, and which it was throughout the match. Yes. Like, the, the confrontation did not happen really until the last few minutes of this match. And they gave these guys, like, 20, 25 minutes, and they just tore the house down. It was a spectacle. Another, another match where Brody King looked fantastic. He continues to be. The chops he was delivering were fantastic. Mm-hmm. He runs people over in a big way. He shows off the, the, the you know acrobatic ability as well. Obviously Malachi delivers some delivered some vicious kicks and we got some great Kenny offense too. Yes. Yes. Uh we got a couple good code breakers as well. Yes, we did. We did. As well as a super kick party to to end all super kick parties with the Bucks just taking everybody out at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the match did end. I'm trying to remember who took the pinfall, I 
feel like it was... Uh, was it Nick Jackson? Uh, I think it was Danny Garcia. It was. You're right, it was Danny Garcia. Which led um, to their, their Rampage match. Yes. Uh, Danny Garcia ends up taking the pinfall in this one. House of Black retain, uh, getting some trios offense in at the end. Crowd got deflated by this. But honestly, this was the... Like, they're going to have to retain. Mm-hmm. However, we had some post-match. Because the brawl continued. Hangman Page came out. And Blackpool Combat Club followed. We got a massive brawl. Blackpool Combat Club make their way up to the ramp. Hangman Page is staring them down. And the Elite come immediately behind him. Blackpool Combat Club backs down. Both sides, Page and uh, the Elite, back away. Is this the direction we're going? I think that they've been teasing it slowly over the last few months, reuniting these guys. I I will say, uh, confusing to watch in the arena, they made a lot more sense of it on TV because what they did was, as soon as this match ended, they had a split screen watching Hangman Page brawl in the back with... Uh, the combat club, okay. and the, which which brought them out into the uh, the arena. Because honestly, when I was watching this in the arena, I was unsure why the their brawl so slowly like interjected itself with this one. Until of course, like they had the moment where Hangman realizes that the elite are backing him up, and uh, and of course, Kenny and him have their history. Um, no, I, I thought that this was a really really cool ending to this show, and man. Winnipeg got a treat. Winnipeg got a treat of a dynamite taping. Mm-hmm. Like we we saw some great matches. That main event was fa- fantastic. Um, what are you going to give this show out of five? It's my first wrestling live show. I can't not give this a five. I'm sorry. No, no, I I, I hear you 100 percent on this one. I this was I think the best one I've ever seen. Uh, certainly more significance than any other wrestling show I've been to. Um. And yeah, I, I I thought this was great and and a lot of fun. And I think anybody, especially in uh, you know uh, Western Canada, who's going to be getting these shows in the next few months, get tickets because this was a really good experience. I agree. Um, we'll talk about Rampage quickly because uh, there was a couple of impressive things that happened. First of all, Powerhouse Officers versus Ray Phoenix was a great opener. Yes, it was. Uh, Ray Phoenix got his Ray Phoenix offense, and he got a German suplex on Powerhouse Ob's at one point. <laughs> he did. Uh, Alex Abrahantis was running around like a madman, as he always does. Um, Hobbs delivered some spine busters that you could hear. The the, the spot that, that really got me was him taking Ray Phoenix off the top rope and hitting him with that power slam. Mm. Like, oh, you could hear it from the, the from all the way up where we were. Uh, he ends up getting the victory. He ends up getting the victory to retain. Powerhouse Hobbs does. Uh, this is a very good match to open. Got a little bit of shenanigans from QT Marshall, but for the most part, uh, Powerhouse got the opportunity to do his thing, which was good. Taya Valkyrie got her debut match. She beat Eva Lawless. This did not take particularly long. No, and she beat her with the Jaded again, didn't she? Not? Yes, and Jade came down uh, to protest and. Smartmark Strillard was there too. Yeah, he was the one who actually pulled her away from her, uh, her when she went after Layla Gray. Mm. So, like, I don't. They've always had, I guess, a loose affiliation with Smartmark Sterling. He was he used to be a lot more prominent in her gimmick, but yes, uh, it's good to see that she's st- he's still being utilized when necessary. Yeah. Um, 
Daddy Magic and Cool Hand and Chetta uh, beat the Bollywood Boys. This was fun. Yeah. And the crowd was, like, behind these guys, which was good to see. Both teams were... There was no real heels in this particular match. Uh, we got a little bit of heel offense from from the JAS pairing, but they were, you know, cheered by the crowd regardless. Right. Yeah. In Canada, it's bizarro world, so... Well, they're, everyone involved in this is Canadian, so, you know, we don't boot Canadians in Canada. We do not. As evidenced by main event, I can't believe Brody King came out to do another match. <laughs> yep. Less than an hour after their main event on Dynamite, Daniel Garcia and Brody King back out at it to do main event Rampage. Daniel Garcia ended up getting the victory with the assists from... Chris Jericho's bat, which got a huge ovation. Yeah, um, Floyd was over in Winnipeg. Yes. But, man, Brody King. Low-key MVP of this show. Yeah. Uh, this a guy team. who I am very much so looking forward to seeing his further development. And, like, where is this guy going to be this time next year? That's what I want to know. It's a very good question. Um, Not too much to note aside from that from Rampage. It was a good show. Yes, yes, it was. It was a great show. I, I'm very happy that we did this, and we. It felt like a full circle moment for our podcast. You know, following AEW from the very beginning all the way to our hometown. Yeah, um, Rylan, with all that, having uh, gone through all of that and completed our AEW journey for the day, why don't you talk to the people about where they can find us on social media? If you want to find us on Twitter, it's at WNWallop. Uh, on Instagram, it's WNWallop. On Facebook, it's Wednesday Night Wallop. Look for myself and Kyle Joseph's name, and that's the page you follow. Follow us, like us, uh, retweet us, whatever you want to do. Give us some give us some thoughts uh, on, on the program and the shows coming up. Uh, Kyle, we should note that we are taking a break from the wrestling until WrestleMania. We are going to be doing some WrestleMania-themed um programming and which will be dropping all wrestlemania week so we can sorry go ahead yeah we've got some other shows coming out that we're going to be doing we're going to be working on some other things during this time so we're taking a break from the weekly shows to do that we've got to talk about uh we got to get back into drive to survive too yes we do uh, to get into doing that as well but we will be there will be uh some other content coming out uh there's a quiz show that yes. we'll be have to be getting into, which will be a lot of fun to to get to drop that. Um, that was a very very fun show, and yeah, lots of and we're going to be covering WrestleMania fully. So, in addition to uh, reviewing a classic WrestleMania as well, <clears throat> WrestleMania twenty one. Are you looking forward to twenty one, Kyle? This uh, what's funny about this is this was the last WrestleMania in Hollywood. Yes, it was. So, so we're, we're not only do we have uh, the build to this year's WrestleMania existing with these trailer, these movie trailer spoofs, but this WrestleMania that we're going to be reviewing also had this. So I do remember that that was the case. Uh, I don't think I'm going to go back and watch those movie spoofs, but uh, we will be getting into that WrestleMania, and that's going to be the review we are doing in our rewind segment in advance of WrestleMania. And reviewing both nights of WrestleMania properly as well. Probably two shows. Yeah, probably two shows. I'm thinking that that's probably best. Yes. So, um, 
If you want to find me on Twitter, you can do so at LeRegendaryKJ. That is L-E-R-E-G-E-N-D-A-R-Y-K-J. Rylan, where can they find you on Twitter? If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at R-Y-A-M Sport Report. Kyle, thank you very much for joining me and doing this. Uh, I am about to, uh, I have 24 hours basically until I am in the air flying home to, uh, to Napanee. But with all that being said, uh, Kyle, why don't you send the fine folks from Winnipeg and all around the world home happy? Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you for listening. As always, you have been walloped. Good night. You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.